Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Welcome to the Munkinass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner. He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. What's going on, BK? 10.06, Tom Ackerman with you. Brian Kelly with the news there. How are you, pal? I'm doing well, Tom. How are you? I'm good. I got this white envelope addressed to me, and it says 700 Clark Avenue, St. Louis, Missouri, 63102. Let's open it. I know what this is. do that. Yeah, this this is the new Cardinals magazine, I guarantee Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who's on the cover? Jack Flaherty. And Adam Wainwright, it says, special connection, Jack Flaherty and Adam Wainwright share a bond that's way beyond baseball. I look forward to reading about yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds great. Boyhood buds, future studs. I can tell you who that is without even looking. Dylan Carlson and, uh, or, I'm sorry, Nolan Gorman and Matthew, Matthew uh, Liberator. That's who that's going to be on page 40. You Let's got see. it. Yeah, big-time prospects in the Cardinals organization. Yep, that's exactly who it is. Gorman and Libertor. Uh, it says BFF Bonanza <laughs> is the headline on that one. Simba's Scrapbook, page 66. Ted Simmons is going into the Baseball Hall of Fame. We know that. He is in, but he's going to have to wait another year. His induction won't be until next year. I was a little bummed about that, but then again, you know, I mean, it's Derek Jeter. We're talking like 85 to 100,000 people packed into an area. Yeah. We have to it. be safe. You know, I've been trying not to think about what we're missing. That's kind of how I get through these times. But yesterday, driving by Bush Stadium on the way home, you know, I looked in as I drove by, saw the scoreboard up there blank, and it it, it really was like, gosh, this just stinks. Yeah. You know, and I get a day like today, what a great day to be at the ballpark. But you can't think about that, folks. No, that's you what know? we're here for on Sports on a Sunday Morning right. is to distract you with some good stuff. So Mike Schultz coming up in just a few minutes, and we'll talk about the baseball season with him. And then we're going to hear from Chris Raby at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. He's done a really nice job of interviewing the 2011 participants. We've been playing a game every night, and we are going to have a game today at noon, game five of the NLCS. We'll talk to Rabes about that at 1120. A tribute to Albert Pujols from MLB Network is yeah. in the works. Actually, it's happening right now. Yeah, it? that was on yesterday, right? It, yesterday. I yeah. think it's a, a three-day thing, maybe, or maybe that was just yesterday. It should know. be. I think it's a three-day event. So mm -hmm. Greg Amsinger of MLB Network will be along with Chris to talk about that. 1130, John Mosellock will join us, Cardinals President of Baseball Operations. 11.45, we will replay Game 5 of the NLDS, the Chris Carpenter game, where he shuts out the Phillies on the road. We had some weather announcements during that rebroadcast last week, 
and understandably so. Sure. So we had a couple of listeners reached out to me and said, hey, would you mind, could you play the ninth inning again on sports on oh a Sunday morning. Goodness, I'm like, yeah. you know what? I will do that. Why not? That sounds cool. So yeah. we'll do that to wrap up the show leading up to the noon game because that's the reason they got to the NLCS anyway. So mm-hmm. we're going to do some uh, good stuff there. A couple of pieces of news out there, BK. Mizzou and KU resuming their rivalry in football. Thank goodness for that. I remember the great game at Arrowhead Stadium in 07. But even before that, I mean, it is a bit of rivalry. KU beat Mizzou in Lawrence. I was at the game covering it. And I remember I was, Andy Strickland was with me. Yeah, he came sure. along on the trip. He's like, I want to go on this trip with you. I'm like, let's go. So we we stayed at this little hotel in, in Lawrence, and we uh, went to the game. And I remember telling him, I said, when this thing gets going, this rivalry, when these two teams are good, it's going to be super intense and one of the best experiences ever. And as it turned out, like two years later, the Arrowhead experience was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, but I remember interviewing Pinkle after the game on the field and Jayhawks fans just giving it to him because it was right outside the Tigers' entrance to the locker room. And they're like, you know, you suck, Gary. You know, blah, blah, blah. And, and he was experiencing this for it was early in his Mizzou tenure. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, they really hate us. <laughs> there, There is a deep... I I hate the Blackhawks, uh, but there is no other team I would I hate more than KU. <laughs> I lived, you know, I lived in Kansas City for twelve or thirteen years. I went to college in that part of the state, and as a Missouri fan living there, you really learn to hate KU. Yeah, I went to Lawrence one time, and the thing I remember is seeing a guy walking around in pink shiny tights, pushing a doll in a baby carriage. And that's kind of, I, I thought, well, that might be KU's new football coach this year. I don't know. <laughs> you you really know. do hate them. Yeah, you I hate do. them more than the Blackhawks. My favorite story is this. You hate them more than the Red seconds, Wings? 20, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't even care about you the Red Wings. You don't care about yeah, the Red Wings anymore. Fabry now. They're, they're yeah, yeah. Okay. I went to the Mizzou, one of the Mizzou-KU basketball games at Hearns Center that Mizzou won in double or triple overtime, and I lost my voice. And so for the next week and a half doing sports at the radio station in Kansas City, I sounded like this all the time. (laughs) But I figured it's okay because it reminds KU fans, and there are a lot of them up there, who won that game. Uh, Because I told that story. I was at the game last night. Now I can't talk. Yeah, that's right. So every time I went on the air, it was a little salt in the wound. And I I was okay with that. Can you imagine, (laughs) as much as it's a rivalry talking about here, what that's like in Kansas City? So the football game is going to be in Columbia and then Lawrence, 2025-2026, both in September. Then they'll take a little break and they'll get it back going in 2031 and they'll swap uh, campuses again. The basketball rivalry is happening, though. They're going to play two at each campus and two in Kansas City. So it's going to go... I think it goes KU, Mizzou, Kansas City. KU, Mizzou, Kansas City. I think that's how they're doing those six like that, in that order. And but, Kansas City will be basically a home game for KU. Yeah, yeah, More pretty so. much. I mean, yeah. they have a rabid fan base. I mean, I'll give them that. Yeah, they have a great... I won't say great because you're in the room, but they have a, a rabid fan. My 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 Mizzou friends get so mad at me. I grew up a Mizzou fan. Uh-huh. But as, as we all know, I went to Indiana, and Indiana really is basketball heaven. It really is. Um, when I went to Allen Fieldhouse for the first time covering a game for KMOX, I said, this is what I'm talking about. Like, this place is special. And Mizzou fans are like, shut up. Yeah. If I have one one regret from my time in Kansas City, it is that I did not go to a game at Lawrence Fieldhouse. It was the one place that reminded me of Assembly Hall in Bloomington, where everybody was so into it. They were very, very proactive 
in pushing the team forward, and mm-hmm. it was great. And Mizzou will get there. It'll get back. I was a game. I grew up going to Norm Stewart's games. Hearn Center was like that. There was a time where it was mm-hmm. like that. We'll get yeah. it back. Hope so. I uh, appreciate you, buddy. Thank, Thank you. you we'll hear from you at the top of the hour. You're Coming back. up next, Cardinals manager Mike Schilt on the Mike Schilt Show on KMOX. The following is a special presentation of sports on a Sunday morning. Welcome to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome to the Cardinals manager, Tom Ackerman, with you. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, Tom. How about yourself, sir? Doing great. I love these beautiful days. Another beautiful Sunday here in St. Louis. Uh, good. I actually got to play some socially distanced golf yesterday. It was good to get out and get some fresh air. And uh, with uh, a, a dear friend, the general manager of the Missouri Athletic Club, Wally Smith, we had um, we were separated from each other. Just the two of us played. It's good to get out and about. How are you? And what have you what have you been doing uh, to stay active? Yeah, you know what? Well, we've started to play uh, some pickleball. I don't know if you're familiar with this yeah. game, but um, yeah, um, group uh, down here and Michelle started to get interested in some pickleball. It's a good workout. We enjoy it, and um, it's been our latest thing that we've uh, been able to do from a physical standpoint. That is a good workout. Did you play tennis growing up? You know, I played a little bit, not a lot. Um, I picked it back up, you know, after probably 30-some years of even picking up a racket. Um, Michelle likes to play, so we play a little bit. And uh, her daughter, our daughter Laura Grace, um, is a pretty good player, and so we we hit it around, and it's fun. That's good. And I played uh, tennis a little bit growing up, and, and just to stay active. I remember I used to ride my bike down to Creevecore Racket Club down on Conway Road, and I had this little clip on the front of my bike that I could clip the tennis racket to. I thought it was so cool. You know, I was like, yeah, you, were, you were big time. Yeah, I was big time, man. As a teenager to be able to go down there and play a little tennis and learn golf. I think at the age that around that age, like 12, 13, 14 was when I really tried to play as many sports as possible. Now it seems kids are even younger discovering more sports. And wouldn't you encourage that Mike is to, for kids to play as many as they can and not really specialize in one. Yeah, of course, you know, just go play, enjoy. Um, there's so many lessons to be taught in sports, but really just the ability to go out and, and um, learn how to work with a team and learn how to compete and just enjoy um, playing something that, that um, is fun. You know, that's what sports are. They're fun. And, and um, being able to play multiple sports you enjoy is important. I don't think we should, encourage young people to be pigeonholed into trying to trying to go after one particular sport. Uh, it usually runs its course um, based on skill level and, and passion as, um, as, as young people get older. Yeah, I agree with you. What about for these young ball players though? You know, we, we know that the coronavirus has shut down a lot around here, including youth sports. So we're all sort of in a holding pattern. What would you suggest to some of these young players at home, things that they might be able to work on within the confines of home or maybe a nearby open field just to just to kind of keep their skills intact? Well, you know, there's some physical things you can do and, and just do what you can. And, and most of us know common sense. You can play catch, get some ground balls, hit some balls off the tee, you know, get some soft toss flip. But I'd really what I'd encourage it, that candidly is a big separator that doesn't get talked about enough or worked on enough is the comprehension of the game, um, is, the, is the mental side of the game, is the um, effort required from, a, from an understanding of the game. You know, you, if you can understand how to play the game, you, 
you know, I use the term see the game. Yachty's the best at it. He sees the field so so very well, which allows him to understand how to compete with his physical skill set. And so if we could take some time now and this downtime where we can't physically play the game as much, but we can look at how the game is played and learn the game, the game will get actually a lot easier. And it's going to be really important to have that perception of how the game is played as you evolve and play the game at higher levels. So um, just a real important aspect of it that I think we can take advantage of during this downtime. Yeah, I like that. There are some books that you can take a look at. There, There's a lot of instructional video out there that you can watch. And I, I'd probably say, you know, maybe pay a little closer attention on some of these replays of games that you see on TV. You can record them or find them on YouTube and see how the pros handled it. How did they handle uh, situational hitting and fielding? Right, Mike? That's right, yeah. We, um, I've been looking at some games more recently and, and getting my head around uh, the managing component again and keeping myself sharp and, you know, watched a game recently and, you know, the game really came down to a, a missed cutoff man, um, you know, and, and a lack of awareness of um, a base running, you know, didn't, wasn't able to, to get the proper lead and didn't, didn't recognize, you know, an opportunity to, to take an extra base. And, you know, it ended up being a really close game. And, and, you know, those are the things that nobody, I say nobody, but very, very few people understand was really important in that game. But um, it was pivotal in the outcome of the actual result. And if people are going to look at it from that lens and just the technique and, and, you know, that's one thing like when Goldie first got in the organization that I really appreciated and admired was those conversations. We've alluded to him when he got in and just, just have an introduction conversation once he's, once, once the trade was complete. And, you know, he was very passionate and still is about, you know, the, the small parts that are big parts of the game, the base running, the technique, the, where you play, you know, in bunt plays and the, the technique of what foot you hit the bag with and how to cut that corner and how to slide in the home play, get your foot down in the replay era. And so those are things that, you know, if young people can learn that, they can have a competitive advantage when, they, when things come back from a physical standpoint. Some of the young players that have come into their own in your organization, one who has and one who is definitely on the way, Tommy Edmond, you can tell that he understands, mm-hmm. you know, he's not perfect, but he understands – baseball because it's in his family, right? I mean, son of a baseball coach. And then Dylan Carlson, here's another player who it just seems like he has a good feel for the game, not to compare him to anybody else, just talking about those players in particular. They they get it, and uh, the future seems bright for them. Hit it right on the head, Tom. I mean, that's those are two great examples. Um, clearly physically gifted, um, but they're getting the most of their physical skill set to do things that actually help us win games. And at the end of the day, that's the bottom line of when we show up every night. Yeah, we want the players to have their individual successes, and and, and we want to have different things that, that come through with our game that we're rewarded with. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, from a team competitive standpoint, it's how do we beat the other team. And when you have guys that understand how to play the game and in real time can can, can see things and adjust and, and execute um, based on what they're seeing versus a reactionary situation where – you know, and that's what minor league baseball is for, you know, quite candidly, um, where, you know, guys can understand that, hey, yesterday you did this or two days ago you did this and still working on it and evolving and, and they get to the process where they can think about it. Some guys just don't have that aptitude initially, but, but also I'm a, I'm a big believer that um, it's a learned behavior and 
a lot of times getting back to our point about youth participation, regardless of sport, we spend so much time, understandably, bigger, faster, stronger, repetition, the physicalness of going to a camp or a workout. or And those are all very important. Don't, don't, I don't want to minimize that. But the fact of the matter is the scoreboard's on and the game starts and there's situations that if you're not aware of what that looks like, you can be physically ready to play the game. But if you emotionally or mentally can't handle or not aware of what's going on, it's, it's hard to compete. And Tommy and Dylan both have that awareness, which really is a nice, I wouldn't even say a compliment. It allows their physical ability to play and that's how they're able to compete at high levels, and that's what it's all about. You know, we've had guys in the past, you've had a couple of guys the last couple of weeks on your show, Descalzo, Jay, similar guys, you know, um, not to minimize their skill set, but, you know, skill set to play in the big leagues. But how are they able to stay and win and be winning players and have careers? Well, they understand the game. They see the game. They're good teammates, and they know how to play. And um, last time I checked, that was pretty important. That's right. And there's a lot of chatter going on in that dugout, isn't there? A lot of chatter. And you can tell the players, you can, the players who are really into the game and are paying attention to what's going on, even if they're not playing. Yeah, and, and to kind of clarify to everybody what that chatter looks like, at least in, in my and our world, it, and that's just that's just staying present and being able to communicate in real time what we're seeing and, and how we're, how we're going to um, compete and continue to execute that particular particular game you know we we spend a, a lot of time prior to the game and we speak and talk about it and and work on it and have an awareness of what we're going to see how we're going to compete um but we talk talk about you know preparing for the black and the white but when the game starts there's a, there's a fair amount of gray and um once that game starts you have that anchor to work off of and now you're starting to see in real time how the game develops it's really important that that us staff players working together are seeing what's going on and communicating in, in that real time. Hey, this is what he's doing. This is how this is going. Because, you know, those opportunities, the game only presents so many. And um, if that communication isn't taking place and you're just kind of playing, um, and, and, you know, look, playing and playing hard is a big part of it. But if you couple it with the communication in a group that's working together for an end goal of, of winning that game, um, from that standpoint, you got something that's that's pretty special. And you have another manager in the other dugout <laughs> who's doing the exact same thing, and I know you have great respect for these big league managers, and I guess the more you play a team and the more you play another manager, you can say, hey, look, this is what they like to do here. or Right? I mean, you, this, this, yep. I, yep. I know this guy. I mean, he's going to try to blah, 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 do this. Yeah, there's more more familiarity, and, you know, the, as you peel the game back and the more you play people and the more you see people, the, the more you're aware of their tendencies and their strengths and, and how they go, which, and, which is why it's so important that, and again, that term staying present, when those opportunities present themselves, you know, they're just maybe that one, and it could be the first inning. You know, Tony always would talk to me about that and still will. He's like, you know, your opportunity, don't sit there and the game starts and go, ah, you know, I'm just going to hang out. Um, that opportunity to do something, um, that presents itself could be in the first inning. And we just always want to be available in that moment to, to capture or have that edge or something we talk about, you know, be able to pounce on it regardless of the time of the game. And, um, you know, if you miss them, you look up and, and uh, it just makes it harder to shake hands at the end of the day. 
Isn't it amazing? Because we're going to play at the end of uh, my show here at about 11.45. We're going to play the entire inning, the the ninth inning of the Carpenter game, game five of the NLDS. <laughs> um, but it's that first inning where the yep. Cardinals score the first run of the game. This is exactly what you're talking about. They score the first run of the game, and that's it. Actually, the, the first two batters manufacture yep. the first run. That's all you get. Yeah, Skippy, you know, um, yeah. big RBI. and. Um, that was it. You know, like I said, you got two guys that on top of their game and, and um, Carp and, and, and Holiday and went toe-to-toe. And that one, you know, those couple of bats in the first inning, before you know it, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the ball game. That's right. For Call with a triple, Schumacher with a double. It was the only run scored in the ball game. And the ninth inning, we're going to replay at 11.45 this morning. We also have John Moselock at 11.30. And we have Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager right now. We will jump back into the conversation. We'll ask him about 2020, where the team currently sits right now. We know we've been trying to figure out if any ball will be played. We'll see if he has any updates for us. And much more on the way. It's 1028 Sports on a Sunday morning. The Mike Schultz Show. I'm Tom Ackerman. Back after this. Now, back to the Mike Schultz Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Tom Ackerman with you. It's 1032. Joining us live is the Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt, for another segment. Always good to be with him. And we are definitely itching for baseball. It's been, what, 52 days? I don't know. I've, I've kind of lost count. But since our last game that uh, Klaibs and I did at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium, your win over the Marlins, spring training was called after that. We don't know when the baseball season will begin. We do know that there's been a lot of talk behind the scenes, Mike, and that has made us all feel really good, at least the fact that some plans are being discussed and some attempts are being made. What's the latest that you can tell us about that process? Just that I'm even more confident in the last couple of times we've spoken that there will be a season. Um, you know, the, the specifics and the particulars are clearly still being ironed out. Um, you know, it would be unresponsible, irresponsible rather of me to, to, to throw out some suggestions that um, are out there simply because, you know, it's it's just to be counterproductive and, and it's out of my pay grade ultimately. But, you know, I can confidently say that there's a becoming more clarity of um, what, it, what it can look like, you know, a couple plans that are, you know, being, being uh, looking to be executed. Timelines are starting to, starting to, Take some some shape, um, and so that that's encouraging when you start to, you know, see everything come together and and get more specific on the okay we this we're getting our arms around what we're dealing with. Um, there's still a bigger scope of what what needs to happen to for us to get back to play, but we're getting closer and um, you know starting to think about some of the baseball component of it, and that's a very encouraging sign. The thought of playing in front of no fans, uh, I think that a lot of people would have to adjust to it. But then again, we're adjusting to everything right now. And just having some baseball again for people to consume, I think, would be a welcome sight, uh, a welcome sound on radio. I think back of like sitting around uh, and observing your B games on the backfields in spring training, seeing these outstanding players, and just hearing the crack of the bat, the pop of the glove, the, they, it is a beautiful sound. You, the fans mixed in is is awesome, but baseball at its purest is beautiful to watch. It is it's a beautiful sport, and you know you mentioned it, it's, it's obviously accurate. We're in different times and different 
um, way of doing things and, and the open-mindedness of, of looking at things from a different perspective is really critical to get enjoyment. And that's what the game is about, it's enjoyment. And, um, you know, the one thing that I, we as a staff and our players are, are going to really be intentional about is, you know, look, this is different. Whatever we're going to do and however we're going to do it, it's going to be um, fairly significantly different, especially without our, our awesome fans potentially. Um, and so, you know, but we can either complain about it, you know, I mean, we have a little saying, losers complain and winners find solutions. And, you know, we're not going to complain about what we don't have or what, what we're missing. I mean, surely, you know, it'll be different and it'll be challenging, um, but let's focus our energy effort and passion into what the actual reality is and, and appreciate that. And, and I think there's a, there's a healthiness to that. Uh, we also know that Cooperstown will not go on this year, the Baseball Hall of Fame ceremony, with Derek Jeter expecting to draw eighty-five to 100000 but also Ted Simmons, Larry Walker, two former Cardinals involved. They will be inducted in the following year's class, whatever whoever they join in 2021. I wanted you to take a listen to this. This is my favorite Ted Simmons highlight from our archives, 1978. Luter got away with a high pitch that time. Throws inside. Oh, there's strike two called, and I want to tell you something. Simmons has gone back and really laying it on the plate umpire, and folks, I don't say it very often about umpiring, but I don't blame Simmons for griping about that one. Mikey had to spin off the plate, and I bet that pitch was eight inches inside. Two quick strikes on Simmons. Boyer came out and talked to the umpire. Now the umpire looking into the dugout. Boy, that hurts when you get your leadoff man and your number four hitter crippled like that with a strike call. I tell you, the first one was a borderline pitch, too. And now the pitch. Swing and a high fly ball to deep right field. Down the line, in the corner, and good bop. There you go, Ted Simmons. Umpire pitches. Take them all on, my man. Let's see what happens when he crosses the plate. That's maybe what the Cardinals needed, somebody to get on him. There, he says something and he's going to throw him out and I want to tell you, you talk about holding a grudge. I don't say much either, Jack, but that's ridiculous. Simmons has been thrown out, now he wants to go back after the umpire. He came home and he tipped his hat to the umpire and the umpire threw him out of the game. That's now wild. Boyer's out there in front of the plate umpire, Paul Rungi, and Simmons has hit a home run to tie this game to all. <laughs> I mean, he, he hits a home run after not liking the call, and he tips his cap to the umpire. Oh, man, Ted Simmons, what a beauty. What a great guy. What a ball player. Yeah, that's classic. Um, yeah, Ted, obviously Hall of Fame career and really brilliant baseball mind for the people that have had the privilege to get to know him. I mean, Ted's been outside the box and in, in a positive way of being able to see where this game is going and the, the different ways you can think about playing this game. And, and Ted uh, – I've enjoyed the opportunity to share some thoughts with Ted and learn, hear some of his. Clearly, um, he's a he's one of a kind, that's for sure. What a player! What a hitter! What a player! And Ted Simmons will go into the Hall of Fame along with Larry Walker, who I know you appreciate as well. A brief time with the Cardinals, but it was impactful. I mean, heck, they almost uh, won the entire thing with him in 2004 when they added Larry Walker to that lineup that had Pools, Roland, and Edmonds. That's as that's a top five Cardinals team right there. It really is. That's one of the top Cardinals clubs of all time. And, you know, I think won 105 games and, you know, just ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw and maybe some fate with the Red Sox um, in 04. 
But, uh, you know, you're talking about a complete player with a real feel. You know, to to the point earlier, you know, Larry just had a real aptitude for the game on the bases, throwing to the right bases. You know, great physical skill set, but a real real good idea how the game's played and, and um, good dude. Definitely. A great, great guy. Always enjoyed being around Larry Walker. And recently at Cardinals Fantasy Camp, what an incredible opportunity to be a teammate of his. And uh, we ended up winning the championship with him, which was that. I mean, obviously, he's, he's a great player and led to help us do that. I wanted to go back to Ted Simmons for a minute. One thing that, and Ted's in the Hall of Fame, so he's going to be able to give his speech and he's going to have an induction. But the thing that made me sad was that his idol, Al Kaline, passed away, and I know how much he looked forward to being up on stage and have Al Kaline up there with him. He grew up just idolizing Al Kaline in the Detroit area. You talk about a great player. He wore number six like Stan Musial, and really, uh, Mike, he was the Stan Musial of Detroit, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. We watched a um, couple of the games on MLB. You know, the 68 World Series, which didn't turn out great for us, but, you know, it was a high mark for for Mr. K-Line and, you know, distinguished career, distinguished gentleman and, um, you know, a real asset and, um, to the game of baseball. And, and you know, Ted had a had a good mentor and, and hero in, in Mr. K-Line. And, um, you know, but Mr. K-Line, I'll be with him in that ceremony, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, before we take a break, we have John Mosellock at 1130, so I'm going to ask him about this because I don't know that it's fair for you to answer from a business standpoint. Yadier Molina made some comments public that you know he wants to keep playing, and if he wasn't able to work out a deal with the Cardinals after this year, he'd be open to free agency and explore what's out there. That's a, a business decision that's made above you, Mike, but just Yadier Molina and what he's meant and knowing that he still has a competitive burning fire in him. That, that's that's how I interpret it anyway. The guy wants to play more baseball. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, not not to say that everyone loves the game, but there's varying degrees of of that passion and love. And, and um, you know, Yachty just has it to, in, in spades. Uh, he just absolutely lights up and is hungry. And loves the competition. He just loves the game, and you, you know, and his actions speak to that. Um, he's always out in the field. He's taking ground balls. He's there early. He's talking the game. I know when the game's over in the regular season, um, he goes back to his room and he'll set up um, an opportunity on his on his screen in his hotel room to watch you know a game or multiple games at a time through the MLB network. Um, and and you know he likes to compete. He likes to win. He likes to play. And it's um, I love to see that he's got that fire after, you know, being in, in the organization for as long as he has in the big league since '04, and and the accomplishments he's had. It hasn't waned his desire and love of the game. And um, you know, it is a business decision. You know, clearly, you know, Yachty stated that that um, he wants to remain a Cardinal. I don't think anybody questions that. And um, I, I know he loves it here, and he's loved his time. And um, you know, obviously, it gets down to the business at some point and I, you know, it's out of my pay grade. And, um, but just, to, I think it'll all work out in the end. I feel comfortable and confident of that the thing we can worry think about right now though, is Yachty's here at the moment and we'll appreciate the fact that we're going to play a season in all likelihood with him. And beyond that, I, I think it'll all work out. I've been watching the last dance, the Chicago bulls documentary on ESPN. It's so good. And watching Jordan, 
and hearing the stories about Michael and how he led the team. Yachty is not the greatest player of all time. Michael is the greatest player of all time. But Yachty, it reminds me of Yachty because I hear about yep. Jordan pulling guys aside and driving them and having that competitive edge and players respecting him. That's It sounds everything that Yachty would do, that he would pull somebody aside and set them straight. That's a separator. You know, during the game, in the clubhouse, um, you know, <laughs> I say this and, and – I love the analytics side of it. It's definitely a way to be able to capture a player's value. I understand that. But in Yachty's case, you know, you can do that. But that's a, there's a separate uh, metric that doesn't exist, and that's understanding how to win, how to see the game. And, you know, his numbers, I mean, MVP numbers are going to be driven offensively primarily, as we all know. And, and he's, you know, going to contribute and be a productive player in our lineup offensively. Um, but I, as far as the most valuable player, on a team and not to minimize other people on our team, but in our league, this guy helps you win games in ways that people just more or less don't understand or see or appreciate. And it gets back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show. Tom, about learning the game, seeing the game. There's just nuanced things that happen in the game that, that if you understand how to navigate it, you have a better chance to win that game. And if you understand how to help other people navigate it, which is what Yachty does very well. His residual value beyond his own understanding to the greater good of the, the staff and, and, the, and the guys in the field and the people around him, including myself. I'm not going to, you know, that's the, I'll, I'll put myself in that. You, you, and you watch the game as intently as I have over the, you know, my career for, for 30 years or so and growing up with it, I can confidently tell you from a value standpoint – this guy's got tremendous value. Now, how do you quantify that? That's hard. You know, um, I get that part. But this guy's a, an elite mind. No question. Uh, Mike Schild is with us, the Cardinals manager. Always good to spend some time with him talking some ball. It's coming up on 1045. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back for one more segment and chat with the Cardinals manager on his radio show, the Mike Schild Show. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. Back after this. Now, back to the Mike Schultz Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Back on KMOX with the Cardinals manager, Mike Schultz. I'm Tom Ackerman. Good to be along with you. Mike, uh, mentioning the word Jordan made me think about other sports and how they relate to your leadership and maybe some things that you take from others. What um, And I know, first of all, that you have some great friends in other sports. One that comes to mind just off the top of my head is Dabo Sweeney, the head coach of Clemson, how you two got together. Uh, you reached out to him, and he was able to speak to your team. There's a leader right there. I just love hearing him talk. I really do. Uh, what What do you take from other leaders of other teams? Yeah, Dabo's a great starting point for that. We actually have a scheduled call this Wednesday at 10, and, um, you know, we're both uh, – you know, in our faith, and, and um, Dabo's a special, special guy that's been able to deal with some real adversity in his life and, and um, but always, you know, had the right kind of mindset for it and has a, has a real heart for um, young people and, and growth um, on and off the playing field. And, you know, we talk about what that looks like, and he's got a real desire to compete and, and, and win. And, um you know, so I just appreciate a lot of different things that he brings and his viewpoints and his energy and his wisdom. Um, you know, so he's he's a guy you, you stay in touch with and 
you know, you got, of course, you got the guys that we've talked about in the past that are, you know, either in the organization or have been a huge part of it, and Tony and Mark D. John and and people like that, and and there's some other coaches that are out there in other sports that I've, I've been able to speak to and talk talk to, or and maybe I haven't even talked to them or uh, or you know communicated with them. I just follow what they do and and then try to learn from it. And you know, sometimes I have a follow up question or a thought. I'll I'll reach out, and most every time, everybody's gracious to to share. You grew up in Charlotte, of course, a big racing area, big time. Um, are you still are are you into racing NASCAR? Do you follow that? You know, not as much. Um, I grew up with it, and you know, just I mean, it's a hub in Charlotte. Um, a lot of the racers and a lot of the teams are pretty much are in North Charlotte um, and, and near the Lake Norman area, and so you follow it. I've gotten to know some people that are in the industry. Um, you know, team ownerships, um, training of drivers. Um, I've, I've talked a little bit about uh, with uh, a guy that, that helps lead um, and understand the performance side of it. So, um, but as far as the day-to-day watching it or following the drivers, um, it's very peripheral. Um, I do have a tremendous amount of respect for, for what those guys do from a, from a mental engagement focus standpoint. Um, and, and that's a, and, and just raw nerve, that's a that's a pretty impressive skill set. College basketball, Dean Smith, of course, prevalent uh, as you were growing up with North Carolina, and the same with me. I mean, I here in St. Louis, a huge college basketball fan, watched Carolina and from Jordan's teams on. Is college basketball in that area, of course, is still alive and well? Did that permeate into the Mike Schilt sports experience? Oh gosh, growing up, man, ACC <laughs> basketball was king. I mean, you went to school and you lived and died by the basketball game. And I can still list out for probably about a ten-year era of, you know, my middle and high school, you know, and probably beyond that, um, you know, the, the starting lineups for for the ACC. And my my family's from Maryland. Born, I was born in Charlotte, um, but grew up a Maryland fan which was kind of hard and, uh, you know, led to a few schoolyard um, altercations, you know, supporting the Terrapins after, a, you know, Duke or Carolina or State or Wake um, basketball game. But um, just a wonderful era for to, to love the ACC, and, and clearly it's changed a little bit in dynamics and, and you know, alignment. But, um, man, you talk about a basketball passionate area that's uh, a great place to be no without question i mean everybody of course knows duke and the brand but north carolina wins it in 82 a state wins it in 83 with jim valvano and of course you mentioned you got wake forest and you love those terps who broke my heart in 2002 my indiana hoosiers lost to him in the national championship uh i was there you you were you there oh man i was there oh yeah, that I was kills there in Atlanta. me i was at a bar in bloomington so i let's see oh two uh, I was at Bush Stadium covering opening day for KMOX, and KMOX said they allowed me to leave when I wanted to, to make it to Bloomington to watch the national championship with my buddies that night. It was very cool. So they, I did the morning show, I did our pregame, I, and then my coverage ended at the start of the game. So I hung out for a few innings kept a look at my watch and i said four hour drive like it's time so i drove to bloomington i watched it in the rowdiest bar on campus and <laughs> with that that brief moment where we took the lead in the second half i thought the campus was going to fall apart and the building was going to come down but then ultimately juan dixon killed us he just killed us yeah, yeah steve blake juan dixon um you know that was a heck of a club you know blake, and yeah. uh 
I was there the I was there the year before. Uh, Steve Blake and, and uh, Minneapolis, um, and when they went to the Final Four, and um, so it was nice to see him and be there when they when they won it. A long time in coming for for Maryland fans. Yeah, that was a that was a tough one for us, but uh, I'm I'm glad you were there though, and that was in Atlanta. And of course, Mike Schilt, uh, not too far from there, growing up in Charlotte and on the East Coast. That is, I love talking. We'll have to, we could spend some time talking some hoops, that's for sure. The history of ACC basketball. Uh, just our final moments here. We have about two minutes to go, but uh, what are you up to these days? We know that, uh, you know, you're hanging tight and, and, and communicating with the guys, but maybe just some final thoughts as you lead into this week and, and another week of of all of us making sure we stay safe during this coronavirus pandemic. I think that there's a little bit of both probably. One, we're all ready to roll, but secondly, we're all making sure that that we watch out for each other. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it starts still being safe and smart and, um, you know, being a good teammate, being a good teammate to your family, being a good teammate to people you don't even know, um, and making sure that you're being smart about how you take care of yourself and how you interact with other people because really, the more people understand what that looks like. And then, you know, taking advantage and looking at, at the, the new opportunities that are coming open, which is which is great, and, and being appreciative of some of the things that are going on in the science world and obviously being super grateful for our first responders and, and the, the, the heroes of the uh, supermarket world and the people that are, that are providing us essentials and our delivery people and um, that are keeping us going and, and allowing us to have some normalcy to, to a um, abnormal you know lifestyle right now um and then after that you know again we we stay in touch with our guys our staff we've had multiple um, calls zoom calls and um but the encouraging thing is now we're starting to think about transitioning still from a starting point of safety and health and, and emotional well-being um as well as the physical but now we're getting to where okay what's it start to look like um from a baseball standpoint let's start thinking about um, you know, how, how we can get guys and us ready to, to compete when we start a, a spring training, whatever that looks like, and being prepared for what that looks like. And, you know, so it's really, um, you know, so it's some exciting things starting to, starting to develop. Good to spend time with you as always. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and we'll catch up soon. Great, Tom. Have a blessed day. You too. Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. Great to hear from him. We'll be back with a full hour of baseball next on KMOX. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.